We have tremendous needs to belong to something, to feel like we have agency, to feel like we can make an impact on the world. We can make a contribution to our community. Welcome to What Could Possibly Go Right, a project of the Post Carbon Institute. We interview cultural scouts, people who see far and serve the common good to help us all see more clearly and act more courageously in times of great upheaval. The question, what could possibly go right, turns our attention from worrying, from sort of incessant analysis in order to control a situation that seems out of control, to powerlessness, to wishful thinking. We want to help us see, we want our guests to help us see through their eyes what is actually possible now that our, our, um, our fixed world seems to be wobbling on its axis a bit. So we ask our cultural scouts to help us see more clearly. And today's guest is Starhawk, who is an author, an activist, a permaculture designer and teacher and a prominent voice in the modern earth-based spirituality and ecofeminism. She is the author or co-author of 13 books, including Spiral Dance, a rebirth of the ancient religion of the great goddess and the ecotopian novel, the fifth sacred thing and its sequel city of refuge. Um, Starhawk founded the earth activist training teaching permaculture design grounded in spirituality and with a focus on activism. She's a witch in the best sense. She's intuitive healing, community building, working with the cycles of the earth and sticking up for life. Uh, I've been a fan of her for a long time uh, through her book, The Fifth Sacred Thing, um, which describes a time somewhat like now when, when um, two worldviews are, are battling it out for dominance, an ecological worldview and a more consumerist uh, capitalist worldview. Uh, and in this interview, I loved when she got into comparing polarized politics and puppy training. So I'm Vicki Robin, your host, sponsored by Post Carbon Institute. And here's the interview with Starhawk. Hi, and thank you, Starhawk, for joining me for What Could Possibly Go Right, mm -hmm. uh, where we ask cultural scouts to put on their headlamps and shine a light on the murky path ahead and tell us what they see to help us all see more clearly and act more courageously and serve the common good. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, as you say on your website, I'm a witch, a real one, not a, a hokey nose wavy wand type. And I've been an activist all my life. I'm going to use every smidgen of power I have, practical and magical, to protect our democracy. Mm -hmm. And um, I love that about you and many other things. And I just wanted to mention, and you probably are bored with this, but I wanted to mention the fifth sacred thing because uh, I am one of the many, many, many people who've read that book many times mm. as a way to really dive into the energies that are foot in our world. Uh, I, I'm going to cry now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, uh, part of it is like building towards this separation of the worlds, you know, where this sort of commercial, aggressive, violent world and this, you know, ecological world and not perfected beings or cardboard beings on either side. And they come to a great uh, confrontation. Mm -hmm. um, and 
it sort of feels like we're in that, doesn't it? I mean, now I pitch you the yeah. question. So in this, what could, what do you see? What could possibly go right? Well, I've been thinking about this question. Um, you know, yesterday I got my first COVID vaccine shot. And I kept thinking about this interview as I was going through it and saying, well, you know, this is something that's gone right, at least here in uh, San Francisco, where I am. And I want to acknowledge this is the place originally called Yalamu, uh, the land of the Ramaytush Ohlone. Um, it was just very well run and very easy. I'd signed up on the website. I got notified that there were appointments available for my, you know, priority range. I was able to make an appointment, go down there, you know, the whole process of between checking in and getting the shot literally took about 10 minutes. Um, and then you wait for 15 minutes to make sure you don't have an allergic reaction. Um, so, and they had lots of good staff and people to help you and people were very, you know, friendly and helpful. And I thought, you know, this is an example for people of what can go right when we do protect our democracy, when we do actually have a government that works for us. And there have been many times in my life where I've called myself an anarchist, not because, you know, I don't want structure or governance, but out of that vision that's in the fifth sacred thing of you know, smaller self-organizing communities based on mutual aid and personal responsibility. And I think in an ideal world, that's what I would see. But in the world we have, I feel like we very much need structure and effective government that actually works to help people. And I'm very hopeful that we can have more of that now you know, I see so many things that have gone right. Um, it's easy to notice the things that have gone wrong, right? But, you know, if you think about what's gone right this year, I have never seen people so politically engaged as they've been this year. So much involved in the political process, um, in working for candidates, in helping to fund candidates, in making calls and sending texts. Uh, one of my neighbors had a group called the Merry Texters that collectively, I think, sent out a million texts in the lead up to the November elections. And I think one thing we've seen is that Democracy is kind of, it's kind of like having a really old, creaky car. <laughs> you know, it's got an engine that can work if you maintain it. You know, you can't, like, just let it run without paying attention to it. You have to check the oil. You know, you have to grease the wheels. You have to get just the right kind of gas in it. But when you do, it can work. And there are many ways we could improve that car, fix it up, you know, maybe uh, give it new brakes. <laughs> maybe it needs a new transmission, whatever. <laughs> but I think we've seen that, you know, again, um, working with it is, is a whole lot better than 
crashing. So I think that is something that has gone right. I also see one of the things that's gone right and going right and could even go more right is that people are finally paying attention to climate change. You know, I mean, like everything in this country, it's extremely polarized. So you have the climate deniers and all of that. But the people who are on board with climate change are finally kind of getting it that we actually have to make major changes in our infrastructure, in our way of doing things in order to contend with climate change. And that's a really important thing to go right, because it's that basic understanding that is going to allow us to actually start to do those things. Um, so for those of us who maybe consider ourselves activists, you know, our job now is to figure out how do we actually tell the story to the broader public. Um, so that people understand that climate change is real, it's imminent, it's here, and there are things that we can do about it. And how do we develop the resources that we need um, on every level to do the things we need to do about it? So another thing that I see going right, you know, my day job, you could say, is teaching permaculture design and regenerative land management. My organization, Earth Activist Training, has run programs online this year, and we had to cancel all our in-person training. But those have been really well attended and well received, and it's allowed us to reach and connect with many more people. We're starting a whole new program in regenerative land management because one of the key things we can do around climate change is shift the way we grow our food, shift the way we manage our lands, and employ nature's way of taking carbon out of the atmosphere, which is using this amazing, you know, fantastic, incredible technology called plants. <laughs> They've been doing just that for hundreds of millions of years, taking carbon out, taking carbon dioxide, splitting it apart, mixing it with water, putting the carbon and the hydrogen from the water together and making carbohydrates, those things we always are trying not to eat, so many of <laughs> but which are really the basic building blocks for everything, you know, and sequestering some of that carbon in the soil, feeding a whole ecosystem of living beings in the soil and um, that have their own metabolisms, that have their own, you could say their own jobs that they do in creating fertility and preventing disease and holding on to nutrients, holding on to soil, preventing erosion, holding on to water, repairing the water cycles. So. I think what can go right is that as humans, we have the capacity not just to destroy the earth, but actually to do the things we need to do to heal and regenerate the earth. And I'm very hopeful that we can go forward and do more of these things and do them together. Yeah, there's so, so much in what you just said. One thing that you said is we need to 
the role of activists now is not to, you know, bang on doors and bang on people's heads to do the right thing, but to tell the story of what a world could be like mm-hmm. um, that would be pleasant to live in. You know, and I think that your training, you know, permaculture really is a description of that story. It's like, and you talk about the rain and the sun and the, the soil and the microorganisms. And I know I, that story for me, when I tell myself that story, I feel like I'm part of something so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It takes a little gap to trust that, 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 that the the permaculture will actually, you know, a permaculture approach could actually hold the entire weight of my life, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's so much uh, woven into technology. The other thing I wanted to just say, I loved your image of an old creaky car because um, (laughs) I I ended up somehow, I lived in a communal group and I ended Mm -hmm. up being the auto mechanic. Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, I mean, just sort of like, you know, sidled backwards into it because nobody else was doing it. Um, uh-huh. And I actually sort of love the smell of burning <laughs> gas, I have to admit. You know, I just love old engines where you can pop the hood and you mm-hmm. can do something about it. And I sort of thought to describe democracy like an old car that you need to be in relationship with, mm-hmm. you know, that you're part of the system that keeps it running. And that if people don't want that, what we have is a technocracy, mm-hmm. autocracy. We're just, uh, and it's sort of like self-driving cars. It's 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 like we're being disabled mm-hmm. from participation. So I actually agree with what you're saying. And the the third thing I want to say, and this is sort of my question, is um, you mentioned in the issue of climate change that what we have to do now is overcome polarization. And I think that is the sort of heart-wrenching, gnarly thing that Mm -hmm. we're all up against. I don't know anybody who doesn't have somebody in their life and their family who went down the rabbit hole of QAnon or who's an ultra conservative or thinks that, you know, Biden stole the election. I think we're, every one of us in our networks is in the shock of that mm. we can't seem to re-enroll the people we know and love in reality. And so based on, you know, your witchy stuff and your fiction stuff and your nonfiction mm. stuff and your permaculture stuff, what ideas do you have about like right now in our lives, how does that happen? How does that, how do we over, how do we heal that enough to be able to heal our world? Well, I think that one of the reasons people turn to something like QAnon um, is that reality isn't satisfying. Um, There was a book I read about why people become video gamers called Reality is Broken, you know, and I think a lot of people feel that. And it's not just people who are you know, struggling economically and financially. I mean, we saw most of those people that stormed the Capitol um, are middle class, upper middle class, you know, what we would say are highly privileged people. But what we have lost as a culture is some kind of overarching story that gives meaning to people's lives and that calls them to interconnection 
and compassion and to be an agent of justice and an agent of earth repair and healing and regeneration. Um, so I'm not saying offering that is going to necessarily transform somebody who's deep in that rabbit hole, but it might be what we need to do in order to prevent more people from getting sucked down it. Um, you know, if you think about something like QAnon, or even, you know, if you watch the storming of the Capitol, there's an aspect in which you get the feeling people thought it was a great glorious game, you know, like a giant multiplayer role-playing game. You know, people taking selfies of themselves, committing illegal acts and posting them all over Facebook and stuff like, you know, you're kind of like, uh, you know, I remember hearing a story, I think it was on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, you know, where they were laughing about it like months ago about the bank robber who gets caught because he took a selfie of himself robbing the bank and posting it. <laughs> and the whole capital thing was like that, right? But it had that era, you know, of unreality, you know, and of so many people are immersed in the game, the story, you know, and I mean, I'm a storyteller and a writer and I know how it is to be immersed in a, a tale you're telling and the characters become real and it becomes almost more real than life itself. Um, we tend to think that's, you know, a noble virtue when you're writing a novel and not so noble when you're playing a video game, but I'm often not sure whether there's all that much difference between the two. And the important thing is like we have to offer a way for people to participate in reality and feel themselves and, and, let, them, and let them be heroes and heroes, you know, uh, to feel like we are doing something really great for the world, for each other, for our communities. And I think when we do that, uh, we do get uh, incredible amazing things that people are capable of doing and things that are capable of happening. Is that a, a hope or is that something that you see rising along with the rising participation in democracy? Is, is the game of democracy, is that game, even though yeah. the people, the people who, you know, who supported Trump you know, thought it was stolen. So they, <laughs> they were in a terrible multiplayer online, yeah. you know, what <laughs> Ragnar game or whatever, you know, and so and, and, and in a way, I've been and you've been part of the game called, we can win this if we can yeah. the people who who are blocked from voting voting. And so mm -hmm. it's really it actually has felt a little bit like the democracy Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, I just wonder about this sort of game and story frame, where you see the possibilities coming. I mean, is it in the Biden administration? Is it in the spectacle of the, you know, where do you see the possibilities for that already present for an enticing mm -hmm. other game? Well, I think first the Biden administration needs to provide real benefits for people, 
you know, to do some things that really make people's lives better. And fortunately, it seems like they are on track to do that, that they are moving forward to do that. I know there are many things you could criticize Biden for and Kamala Harris, um, but they've only been in office less than three weeks. Right? <laughs> exactly. And he's already done some really major good things. Um, so I'm a great believer of the political strategy I learned from dog training. <laughs> where. <laughs> You know, the current thinking in dog training is don't, you know, don't base it on punishment and telling your dog how bad she is, but you praise your dog whenever they sort of make a move. You know, you tell your dog sit and they twitch their haunches and you <laughs> praise them for that. And you praise them every time they go in the direction you want them to go and gradually shape their behavior. So I think we can do that with our politicians as well and um you know reward them and praise them when they're going in the direction we want them to be going in even if they're not a hundred percent completely there um yeah I, I, the I, other I, thing i think I, we need is we need a movement um we need a movement that kind of understands we have to organize humans um, mm. not fantasy people who already are the way we think they should be, but humans the way they already are. And that means we have to kind of understand human needs. You know, I mean, we obviously have physical needs, but we have tremendous needs for belonging, to belong to something, to be part of something. And we also have tremendous needs to feel like we are seen and we are valued. And we also have some huge, tremendous needs, I think, to feel like we have agency, to feel like we can make an impact on the world, um, to feel like we, we can make a contribution, you know, to our community. And all of those needs can be terribly perverted, you know, I think part of the reason people do join something like QAnon is they get a really strong sense of belonging. And nothing will make you feel more like you belong than identifying a whole bunch of people who don't belong, right? Right, right, you right, know? right. Which is yeah. sort of the, you could say that's the negative aspect of it. But the positive aspect is, again, that feeling that you are part of something, that you are accountable to people, that people are there that will support you and have your back. Um, I think people need to be seen and valued. And again, I think a lot of what is driving the right wing is this sense, you know, that people who might say are actually extremely privileged, but have nurtured the sense of grievance that they're not valued and they're not seen. And, you know, it's a tricky one to figure out how do we actually create a way people can be valued for their positive contributions, not for something extraneous like the color of their skin or their gender, and not at the expense of devaluing. You know, human value is not a zero-sum game. You know, if, I, if I'm a valuable, worthwhile person, doesn't mean you can't be too, right? Yeah. Um, 
It's not a limited quality. And finally, we need to find ways that people feel, again, like they're making an impact. And again, I think it's positive that so many people got involved in the political process and did work at making an impact. Um, and I think, you know, had a, a sense afterwards that yes, like, you know, a lot of the work wasn't terribly fulfilling while you were doing it. It's nothing more frustrating than making political calls when 99% of the people hang up on you, right? Um, but at the end, you kind of had a feeling of like, well, yes, we did something. We had an impact. I was part of something, and it was something good. Yeah. I, I you know, I like to wind up with a uh, sort of a call to action, but I think you already did it, which is, is like each one of us can go about our lives noticing when people who we may not agree with catching people and doing something that's like headed toward the good and praising them. I mean, it is something like a, you know, there's another multiplayer <laughs> game called praising, offering recognition to the people that you connect with uh, as appreciation for something they're doing good. Uh, and, and I think that actually is the other multiplayer game. The other image I had when you spoke I'll just say, uh, um, and it's like that multiplayer game. I had the image of a potluck, you know, where it's sort of life is more like a potluck. It's, it's where it's not like a king's table. It's like a potluck and everybody brings a dish. And I have to say that my food was always the one that was left over. I always felt terrible. It was a big goal for me to have my potluck dish finished. But there is a recognition of that you've brought something wonderful when you go home with the empty dish. So that I think is a, a call to action that actually has a lot of power. Um, I do wanna give you a chance just like in a minute, do you have something, you know, where can people find you? Is there something coming up you're really excited about? Just one minute on that. Well, people can find me at my website, starhawk.org. I have an ongoing magical activism course that meets approximately once a month that people can join in on where we explore this intersection of spirit and politics and create ritual and do it together. Um, and you can also find me at earthactivisttraining.org. Uh, that's our permaculture program. And we have a, uh, we have a permaculture design course running now, but we'll be doing one again in the fall. Um, we have ongoing courses in everything from culinary magic to a longer term program. We're going to be starting at the end of March in regenerative land management. That begins with a six month online training that is sort of a deeper dive into permaculture for people who've already done a PDC, a permaculture design certificate and want to deepen their knowledge in all the regenerative systems. Um, so check them out. Uh, we're going to have a social permaculture course in the fall and many other wonderful things. That's so great. Yeah, yeah you're, you're definitely a good witch. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so, so much thank for you. joining me for what could possibly go right. Yeah. Thank you, Vicki. And thanks for doing this. It's 
you know, it's the kind of inspiration I think people need at this time. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review so that this hopeful message can get out to more people. Check out Post Carbon Institute's Resilience website for show notes and for more guest information. Join us on Patreon and become a financial supporter of the show and for exclusive content and special online events. Thanks also to Cher Miller, Amy Burringrood, and Clara Winter of Post Carbon Institute, plus production assistant Michelle Wig from frugalityandfreedom.com.